this is Coffee Number 5. I'm your host, Lara Schmoisman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Number 5. Uh, today, I was thinking of those days uh, that I was a teenager. Oh, my God, I will never go back to those days. I hate them. I hated high school. Uh, finally, I was able to find my place in college because I think that everyone was kind of an outsider. I was that girl that was overweight and always wanted something else. I was a doer. I wasn't like... And it was so hard to try to fit in. And at some point in my life, I should say, screw it. And I, I am where I am today, I think, because I accept that I will never fit in. And I will never force myself to fit in anymore. But I have it in my blog to get things done. So today, I brought up someone who... I think she has a little knowledge about being a teen and what teens go through it. But I also, something that I learned as I grew as a mother and I had to get in all these roles because not only you become your mother and responsible, the safety and the well-being and education of your child, you also become the mother of, and you need to become, uh, oh, I have a play date with that kid, but it's not the play that for the kids. The parents need to be there. And you want to be involved in your kid's school. And so it's like it was going all over again, being a teenager. And I just don't do that. I do not do clicks. I just get things done. So welcome, Atusa Robinstein. I'm so happy you're here in coffee number five. Uh, Atusa was, um, you're Iranian-American. And but you were born in in here or in Iran? First of all, thank you for having me. And um, I I was born in Tehran. Yep. Oh wow. Okay. So you're like me that we have. It's amazing because I think that we have maybe a different mindset because we have a cultural background that give us a different values as well. And then we learn the values from the U.S. and then we mix them up. You were the editor in chief of Seventeen, yeah, and so, and Cosmo Girl as well, and Cosmo Girl, and mm-hmm. I mean that's that's tough to be thinking as a as a of for content for a teenager. It's like how because it's a mm-hmm. tough age. Well, you know, at the time it was kind of easy because I was the youngest editor in chief in the Hearst, history of Hearst, so it wasn't many of the other editor in chief. Uh, uh, at the other magazines for the teens for the age I am today. So they uh-huh. were full grownups with children. Uh, I was 26. So to me, ha- having been a teen was just almost like felt like yesterday. And um, I felt more like a big sister. And I knew more than I did as I was a teen. And when I was a teen, I had more perspective. But I still understood what it was like. Um, and so for me, it was actually super fun. So like I was saying in the intro, did you feel also that we go back in different stages of our life to try to be a teen somehow and fit in? Because I feel like I had to do that as a mother, but also as a business owner, we always trying to fit in, in certain contexts and try to connect with individuals that they are, similar to us, for example, me being uh, having a company made me 
I don't know if to, to lose friendships because I still value and love those people, but I have a very different place to connect. That my life is my business, my kids. I have so much going on that I, I cannot be in a day to day of little things. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that I always um, felt very strongly about is that that, that adolescent time is, you know, a lot of times people just want to be like, oh, teenager, like that's for kids or that's, that stuff is silly. But I actually think it's a very important time. And it's a very rich time that we can draw on, like you said, go, even as adults, like we'll fall into those same themes of, like you said, fitting in, or, you know, feeling deficient or wanting to be better, wanting to get better and stronger at different things. Um, so I think that that to sort of look at that time of life a little bit seriously, um, I think is good. And, and that was one of the things I did when I was back at the magazines, uh, rather than sort of doing a bunch of goofy articles, we would bring in people like Don Miguel Ruiz or Marion Williamson, you know, just really interesting uh, authors that took the things that the uh, that the readers were going through very seriously. And, and even for me as a grown up, when I would read those articles, they were relevant to my own life as well, because we all deal with whether it's drama or ups and downs, you know, it's not that dissimilar. Because there is this perception about the women's magazine on Girl Girl magazine that is all about the quizzes and giving tips. And I mean, we've seen so many wrong comes about people working in magazines and the life of the magazine that's not real what we see in in the movies what's the life of the magazine tell us a little bit about how it is real yeah like there's there's certainly things about devil wears prada that are very real i mean when i excuse me when i was working at the magazines my best friend is a big guy in the music business and when i was working he used to call me clap clap girl because I would just, whatever I wanted, I would just pop up and somebody, some minions would get it done, you know, or that I would, wherever I wanted to go, my assistant would just like sort of point me in a direction, tell me to walk. And I'd just go to my driver and he would drive me places. There are clothing allowances, you know, it was a very over the top time. Um, There was a lot of spending, you know, whether it was, I remember, I remember there was a, a celebrity publicist that's very powerful that was very angry with me because I bumped her her celebrity for somebody else on a cover. And the way that I apologized was sending her like a Prada bag, you know, with all the bells and whistles. Um, so it is kind of, it is pretty over the top. Uh, not necessarily exactly what you see in the movies, honestly, because it's probably was more over the top and more elegant than you can well, what, I, what I I want to ask is like the real work because there's really real work done yeah but you're also really about, working yes yes course. there is no only about I mean I get all the glamour of working in a magazine and work in the fashion industry I do get that but my question is because I see that there is this perception that is oh someone is gonna make up a silly quiz and it's uh-huh. not about that Yeah, no, and especially, I mean, I guess it depends, of course, on any magazine, right, like uh, how they run things. But for us, and that's one of the big issues with content today on digital media, digital media, because I have a teenager myself, and she'll get, let's say, a recipe off of TikTok. And then she'll go to her kitchen, and she will do exactly what she sees on the TikTok video, and it doesn't come out right. And she'll look at me and say, well, when you were at magazines, you used to do recipes. Why don't these, why isn't it the same? 
Well, because when we were at magazines, we had copy editors, we had fact checkers, we had really smart people that were combing through every recipe and every article and making sure every fact is exactly right. They're not going to do the recipe once, they're going to do it three times to make sure that when our beloved reader uh, is trying to do it in her kitchen, that it makes perfect sense and it works. Uh, so yeah, no, there's a tremendous amount of hard work from every single person on staff. Um, I mean, I used to work often until 11 o'clock at night. I've had days where there was a couple of days where I did 48 hours in a row and maybe I would nap on my couch. So, you know, depending on deadlines and whatnot. I I used to work in the entertainment industry and it's exactly the same thing. People don't know that you see the red carpet, but you don't know how much work goes behind the coverage of red carpet that will need to be there so early and then stay much longer and the after parties. And then you need to go and edit the footage. That's right. So yeah, like you're not there. It's sort of like you kind of look good because you're wearing a nice dress or whatever, but you probably are sweaty, smelly, rushing oh my you know god what I mean? you, putting you. putting deodorant on <laughs> like, <laughs> like bumping with it now it's not so much like that i understand but you're like trying to get your space in the in the carpet to get that right from someone and yelling and come back at, from the event without no voice uh and even your feet hurt yeah and even if you're not like actually creating content like like you were and, and your colleagues were for me, like I would be having to rush because I'm still working on a deadline, literally in the car service, putting on deodorant, going to the Met Ball, and then looking at my watch, knowing that my team is waiting for me and I would leave early uh, in order to get the work done. So, you know, there are definitely moments that you're like, oh, this is kind of cool, but you don't even get to experience this is cool because you're you know, it's, you have it's, part of, of, it's part of your job description. It becomes part okay. of your job description. Yeah, I love yeah. that you were talking about the digital world because I feel like the digital world affected a lot of the mediums uh, that we know from before. But how do you, besides what you told us, how do you feel like uh, the magazines, the teens magazines or women's magazine were affected by the digital world and how they meet in if they met somewhere in between and how to be digital and still creating incredible and relevant content I mean I I I don't think they really exist anymore um so I would say the digital world kind of annihilated it not because necessarily the content was better but because the delivery system was better and you know one of the things that has happened uh, as a result of digital. And it's interesting to me, you know, when when I was an editor uh, and prior editors in chief of magazines were really, it was like a very coveted role and they were in some ways celebrities. Um, and as digital has become more powerful, what's so interesting is rather than the print media sort of uh, uh, I don't know, better arming their print brands uh, to, to do more interesting and innovative stuff in the digital world, they've kind of done the opposite. And so now the editors, I'm sure they work just as hard, um, but they have a much lower profile. Nobody knows who the editor of any magazine is anymore. 
um, and much the less looking to them for any sort of thought leadership. Uh, and the the content sites of the magazines are just meh. It's just like another website full of blah, blah. And it's unfortunate because I think the curated content is really not in a good place right now. You know, there is, there are platforms like Instagram and Twitter and, you know, others like it that I think people are gathering at and looking to, but there isn't, I mean, it's very democratic. It feels to me like when I go on TikTok or I go on Instagram, it just feels like I'm eating pirate's booty, like just junk, 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 junk. And it almost feels addictive. Like I'm just doing this because I have nothing else to do as opposed to, I remember call it 20 years ago, my friends and I in the industry would have like a stack like this of magazines from Europe and we would spend the weekend just like tearing things out. And it was so inspiring. That just doesn't. Yeah. I, I never anymore. thought about that. And now that we were talking I started thinking like, I don't have my subscriptions of magazines anymore. And not because I didn't love the magazine. I just feel like the content wasn't as relevant anymore and it's not that I replace that content for something that I found find online I just stop consuming certain content yeah because it's not it's really not relevant their budgets have been cut you know there used to be you know there was a moment when I was working at my old company where they were interested in talking to me about another brand at the company that was like a very big brand and what I had heard from inside that brand was they were cutting like the budgets for messengers and like cutting from all these different places that would make it hard to make a beautiful piece of art that people would really want to get their hands on once a month. And that was just the trajectory our business was going. And well, we, we need to explain to the audience that this is not because they want to cut corners. It's just also because the sponsors started putting a lot of money in digital and they start cutting their budget from right. magazines. So either this uh, magazine had to start cutting these, these expenses yeah. or lower these expenses to try to keep maintaining the magazine. That's right. That's right. And so in order to make the business work, um, you know, it just they, they've had to make these changes that I think also get in the way of creating really incredible, uh, incredible photographs and you know, just incredible content. Yeah. Um, so I do think, you know, we're, we're really ripe for something exciting. Um, hopefully that something exciting is uh digital but 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 curated as opposed to sort of curate you know influencers and being curated by regular people because uh, i i think that we're missing the editor's eye that's absolutely absolutely my opinion. i i love that you were bringing up the curating the, the um point of view because i truly believe that content drives action the the right content drives the right action. And I always say that it needs to be content with intention, that mm -hmm. what do we want from an article? It's need to, we want to feature a person, we want to feature a collection, we want, there's so many points of view of what, of what we might want to do with an article. And I feel like lately it's just content, content, we're pushing content. 
Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it almost just, and it's algorithm based and mm-hmm. not there. It just doesn't, I remember when I, for some reason, when you were just talking, I remembered Martha Stewart as a curator for weddings mm. and, um, and she had a young woman who, who worked for her back when I was planning my wedding. I think she was a long time. She probably still works there. Uh, I think her name is Darcy. And um, I remember like just waiting for every issue of Martha Stewart wedding because the, the curation was so impeccable and the flowers she chose and the just everything. And I remember like that, I, I just was waiting with bated breath for every issue as I was planning my wedding. Uh, and that kind of excitement, I don't feel that about anything. I kind of feel dread. Social media fill, feel, fills me with dread, not because it makes me feel bad. It just feels like a bunch of garbage. Um, I mean, nice to hear from friends, but outside of that, like in terms of like the content. It, it, just- it's hard. I mean, it's something that I have groups in social media. I don't have almost time even to do social media, but I'm on social media on research all the time. And I, it's very hard to create, to find good content that you want to say okay I mean the motto of my agency is to raise a bar and it's it's easy to raise a bar for whatever it is they are but it's not necessarily what it works at the same time right because as you said you know, we need to be thinking about algorithms and we need to think about what people want mm-hmm. and I think that we really lower the bar of what people want and we got them used to have amateur content Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just that it's just addiction at this point. It's just swiping, 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 swiping. Even like, believe it or not, dating apps have kind of oh, yeah. turned into just shitty content, right? It's just like, I'm, I'm a woman who, who is single, and I'm looking for a man, right? And so like, I'll just go on hinge. And it's almost like bad, the opposite of maxim. Like, I'm like, not cute, not cute, not cute, not cute, not cute. And like, like, how is that serving me for any, in any way? Um, but I feel like the same, I do the same on TikTok. I do the same on Instagram. Um, it's pretty bad. Okay. So from your experience, being the experience of having a real magazine, and also you were working in the times that you started to mutate into the digital world. How can we create or curate better content for social media? Yeah. Because I love to see fashion content. I love to see beauty content, but what content that they are informative, that they're engaging, that they're entertaining, and, and it's hard to find. So what elements are we missing that we can add to create better content? Well, I mean, to me, I think right now the opportunity is to bring back curation somehow. So to bring like that experienced editor's eye to, um, and it could be even working with influencers. So rather than, um, you know, in the past, right, fashion departments would be made of, you know, usually it was young women and men who were coming to New York to work at magazines. And I think you can take still that experienced editor apply it in the direction of influencers and create some sort of a curated version of Instagram right so like let's say you have Instagram fashion Instagram beauty Instagram 
Um, you know, Instagram to me is prime or any of the big platforms, Instagram, maybe Twitter, um, Substack to create uh, curated uh, divisions that maybe take some of, uh, take, take the editor's eye and put it towards some of their more um, influential content creators and also give those people a little direction so that, uh, so that it can uh, be a little bit more, like you said, exciting and um, like create that feeling of like waiting with bated breath for something new. Yeah, to um, want to come back. I mean, to yeah. me, it's, it's really hard to find accounts that I want to follow that I say, oh, what are they going to come up with today? Because they're I just a person, like that person. Everybody, I'll never forget, some, one of my writers once said to me, and this is someone who's a very now very well-known and, and very well-respected writer. She said, everybody needs an editor. And I think that's kind of what's missing in content is there's no editor. You know, every jackass wakes up and it's like, this is cool. And yeah, some days it is cool, but other days, eh. Well, you, you'll be surprised. Like one of the roles in my agency, I have a proofreader and editor. Mm -hmm. And nothing needs to, can go out without being proofread and edited. Right, which is great. And But I think when we're talking about having um, a, a media a content that gets a lot of eyeballs, it's a different level of editing, right? It's a different kind of editor that can curate um, these kind of big picture ideas. And, you know, when we're talking about magazines today, they're not doing it, right? They, A, they don't have the level of editor because they don't have the budgets to pay those editors. And a lot of those editors like Raiden Carter has his own, um, his own thing now, uh, a lot of those editors are doing their own smaller, their own smaller projects, including yes, me. Yes, but there is something else that I think we're not for we're forgetting to not mention the quality of the people that are the new generations are different and they don't want to be edited. Yeah, and that's up to them. I mean, to me, the 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 onus is on the big media companies um, to come up with a better idea to to just see that there is this opportunity. People want curated content. I don't think forever we can stay in this swipe, swipe, swipe bullshit um, media environment. I just, I just don't. Uh, and so the question is, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Substack? Is it going to be Instagram? Who is going to step in and be the next Condé Nast? Because they have the... I don't know. I think that they try. I think that MSN and Yahoo, they try to do curated content for their verticals and they fail. The industry showed them that they didn't want verticals. They wanted but they everything. Creating, but, but it was crap. To me, Like their, I didn't think their content was particularly compelling. I think Instagram... I think the, the, like the Instagrams and the Substacks and maybe even Twitters of the world, um, I just think that there's more of an opportunity there than Yahoo. Like Yahoo feels stodgy, like the brand, that, like that doesn't feel exciting to me. And I, and I felt like their, their attempt at it felt very um, Walmart. I don't know. It didn't feel sexy and, and hot. And I, and I feel that if Instagram did it or Substack, that to me feels much sexier. 
Tatu, so before we go, I want to ask you a question. I mean, you have an incredible career, a lot of experience, but I'm sure that also you made that mistake or, or that thing happened to you that you learned so much out of it that if you would have been gone smooth, you would never learn that lesson. Tell us a story about a where question. you fail, but where you learn. Yeah. Um... First of all, I only learn by making mistakes. <laughs> I'm one of those people that always learns by making mistakes. Um, I'll tell you a very, very early mistake. Um, and when I first became editor-in-chief of Cosmo Girl, because I was the youngest and you know all this jazz, they made a really big deal about me. And I just had never been in a leadership position before. Like it happened overnight. I just wasn't really prepared for it. And I just was kind of just like a little kid, just like taking in all the praise. And I remember uh, I was kind of uh, toasted at this, at this um, event at Hearst, celebrating the first issue of Cosmo Girl. And I remember Helen Gurley Brown gave me a diamond ring, eternity ring as a gift. And I got all these gifts and all these sort of accolades and all of this stuff. And I just was like, oh. and you know what I didn't do? I didn't thank my team. And it, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me because I'd never been a leader before. And it was like my first moment as a leader. And, and I felt so ashamed afterward when my boss told me like, hey, like you could have thanked your team. Of course I could have thanked my team. I was so embarrassed. And, um, and uh, you know, from there on, I just knew like, like, you know, maybe the media will make it about me because I'm like the figurehead or whatever, but it really, every single thing I've ever done um, is about team. And even today, like as a mom, I can't do it without my team, whether that's our caregiver, you know, my co-parent, like it is all about team. And, and, and I, I learned that in a kind of cringy, in a cringy moment. Um, but, you know, I'm glad I learned it. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing thank that you. story. It was lovely. And thank Thanks. you so much for being on Coffee Number Five. Thanks for having me. It was so good to have you here today. See you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Ciao, ciao.